love. I, I just feel um, the reason why we, we push into prophesying and to releasing sound is because there's something that the Lord wants to unlock, something that He wants to do, even in this house. You know, I want to speak for, for 24-7, but I believe that the Lord is, is going to unlock something in our sound and 24-7 worship. And we have amazing, beautiful um, musicians, but they're more than musicians. They, they're worshipers. They love Jesus, and, and what a privilege that they can create an environment of sound. Um, I, I'm not going to talk about this too long, but just so you know, sound is actually a language. What, what you're, what's happening right now is I'm actually making weird noises with my mouth that you've learned to interpret. It's called English. But it's just sound. Is that going over your head? or You get what I'm saying? So all the different languages is really just weird noises coming out of our mouths that we've learned to interpret. And so when it comes to sound... Uh, sometimes we've got to understand that what's being created is a language. And just because we maybe don't understand or can't interpret it yet doesn't mean that it's not actually saying something. And so how many of you know when you're in a, a service like this and you might be singing something and that's beautiful and it's making a declaration, but you feel something shift in the room. So for example, maybe we're singing, Jesus, you're worthy of the highest praise, but suddenly you feel peace hit the room. And then it's like, okay, we're singing. We're not singing about peace, but the sound that's being released is carrying the substance of that realm, the peace of God. Maybe that sounds a little bit too deep. That's all good. I just want to say to you that get excited for this year. Um, Damien and our team and our worship team, from a production point of view, there's so much that we want to do in terms of releasing more worship and sounds. And um, I've set a, a very ambitious goal to at least release one single every month to six weeks. Uh, when I say single, that sounds terrible, but just worship moments um, of, of things that we can capture in this house, that the songs that are coming in the seasons that we're in would be released, that we as a family can begin to worship uh, together. So get excited for that, um, and I'm just going to plug, go and follow 24-7 Worship on uh, Spotify and Apple Music and all those things, and, uh, and, and then you'll get all the stuff as it comes out. I think it's on YouTube as well, yeah. So I'm excited for that. But what a privilege. We're in 2022. You made it. Um, the world hasn't ended yet. Shocker. Um, but we're here. We made it. And I'm so expectant and so excited. Um, Jess and I and Courts actually we had the privilege of being away for a little bit and had some time on the beach. How many of you know the glory is always weightier on the beach, um, especially early in the morning or late at night? But uh, we had such a good time of rest and uh, just dreaming and getting excited for this year. And so... Um, I want to ask you and, and encourage you to try and be here uh, at least for the next four to six Sundays, because what we're going to do uh, as a family is we're actually going to go through uh, the, the, the heart, the vision, the values, the culture of what the Lord has been doing over the last 18 years and 24-7, but actually also where He's postured us right now and what we're going into, that we would understand the timeline that we're in as a family and, and understand how we are plugged into the prophetic timeline of God. And I know that already people are like, what? Like this is the start of 2022 and you're already going there. But the reality is we need to understand that we get so caught up in year-to-year -year living where it's, you know, okay, one more year and now this is going to be the year and I'm going to try to do these things. And we get so focused, so zoomed in on a small little aspect of life that we're missing the bigness of a, a global prophetic timeline from the beginning when the Father created man until the second coming, the return of Jesus, that we are in a prophetic timeline. And so it's to say, Lord, actually, we need to be aware of the times, alert of where we are, so that we can be faithful with what we've been entrusted to do here on the earth. Are you with me? So maybe you're getting nervous and thinking, oh, my word, he's going to start talking about end times. Probably. Uh, <laughs> but the reality is, um, you know, there's been so much nonsense taught uh, about the end times and eschatology, and there's so much fear and confusion and weirdness, right? 
How many of you ever watched that movie 2012? I watched it in 2010, I think it was, and I was like, oh my goodness, I got two years and waves, these gigantic tsunamis about to, you know. Um, and so there's been weird stuff, and, and we've, we've listened to the world, and we've listened to the wisdom of man for so long. But when you actually just study the Word, I don't know if you knew this, but there's over 150 chapters or contexts of Scripture that are about the return of Jesus. There is more in the Word about the second coming of Jesus than there is even about His birth. Interesting. And yet we've got so caught up in all the, the wrong stuff, the nonsense, and, you know, is it a pre pre-tribulation uh, uh, pre rapture or post-tribulation rapture and, uh, all the, and all these funny things. Mid, yeah, sure, there's, there's lots. But the reality is, when you open the book of, of Revelation, the first line is the revelation of Jesus Christ. And the whole book is around actually revealing Him. And so if we begin to posture our hearts in that place of saying, Lord, when we talk about this timeline, when we talk about coming to this point of you returning again, what we are really uh, posturing our hearts towards is the revelation, the revealing of Jesus Christ in fullness. And so that's something that we should be excited about. And so over these next couple of weeks, we're going to share vision for the church. Um, we realized just that God's done something so beautiful in this house. But I'd say about two-thirds of 24-7 right now have actually been with us for probably somewhere around six months or less. And so God's doing this like fresh thing in 24-7 where I said to my dad, it's almost like a church plant. It's like you take, you, know, you, you take the group of people that have been with us for whatever it is, 18 years, and it's like we've got, we've got this group that's been with us running for 18 years, and then all of a sudden we've got like a whole fresh new group of people. And sometimes we, we, we assume and we teach on things. We assume that actually everybody's been with us for the last 10 years and you know what we're talking about. And so we just thought it would be actually really vital and important for us as a family to go through our vision, our values, our culture, and to build foundations in the house that are going to set us up to be obedient and to follow Jesus this year. And so I want to encourage you, uh, at the end of February, we're going to do a Sunday where if after these couple of weeks, if you feel in your heart, you go, man, this really is my home. This is, this is the local church or the house that God's called me to be planted in. I want to get actively involved. We're actually going to have a time where we pray people into the family. And I've got a feeling that it's probably just going to be a majority of the church and we'll all just stand up. That's cool. But we want to just pray, pray people into the family because I want to say this. This is not a time, and, and, and this is not a Christianese thing. I'm, I'm just being real. This is not a time in that prophetic timeline of, of church history and, and, and walking with the Lord for us to just attend the church. It's just not. Um, because because what's, what's coming, and especially in 24-7, and everything that I'm saying is, is really in the context of our house, uh, although I believe it's for the, for the globe, but it's, we're going to shift from a Sunday morning-focused, Sunday morning-centered expression of church to a priestly rhythm of life. And so what's ahead for us, uh, I know there's, there's funny words, and I'm, I'm going to use a lot, but it's okay. Hey, you can just get over some of the words, and you'll, you'll get a uh, revelation as we go. But things like David's tabernacle, when you begin to study what actually what that is and, and the, the timeline of, of, of in the Word and from the beginning until now, you realize that there's actually the master plan of the Father, which looks like an expression of 24-7 enthroning Jesus, worshiping Him uh, in cities all over the world. And God's actually unlocking gateway cities to 24-7 right now all across the nations. And I'm, I'm going to touch on that in a second. This 2022, we're looking at over six specific invitations into unreached nations. Six. So I look at that and I go, that's impossible with 80 to 100 people. Um, but Jesus, you're doing it. And so, like I said, uh, at the end of 2021, Mary gets given this 
word from the Lord and what's going to happen. She hears the promise, but her, her response is, Behold, I'm a servant of the Lord. Let it be done to me according to your word. That's going to be the posture of our hearts for 2022. Lord, we're your servants. Let it be done to us according to your word. We just want to be obedient. We just want to follow you. We just want to step into the things that you're calling us to. And so one of the things I've realized more and more, and I'm, I'm so glad my dad shared it this morning around the bride is, is being made ready. She's preparing herself for the return of the bridegroom king. But I also want to say this, that the Holy Spirit has a mandate on the earth right now to prepare us for His glory, to prepare us for eternity. And so if you didn't know this, um, you know, your time here on the earth is actually like a little blip in terms of actually your existence and, and, and what life is going to be like with the Lord. And so the time that we have here on the earth is a great privilege to get to choose Him and to live by faith. You won't have to live by faith when you're in heaven because you just won't. It's just perfect. You'll just be with Him all the time. But here, there's a great privilege to get to choose Him, to live by faith, and to allow the Holy Spirit to fill you, which is the master plan of God, to make you like Jesus and to prepare you for actually what's coming. So we need to be real aware of the fact that this is not a time for us to get wrapped up in the world, to get caught up in material things, to get stuck in the systems of this world. Um, it's going to get louder and louder, and it's going to pull at your heart and tug at your heartstrings more and more. And I want to say to you, that is why we, we talk so much about the beauty and the worthiness of Jesus. That's why we will push into that place of saying, we must see you rightly. Because I know for myself, when I see Jesus rightly, there's only one response. When I'm looking at him, there, nothing else matters. The only time that we get a little bit disillusioned or confused is when we stop looking at Him. Are you, are you with me? And so, uh, as we've been praying as an eldership team and, and strategizing for this year and saying, Lord, uh, you know, help us to, to shepherd and lead a community uh, because our, our desire and our heart is to create a resting place for the Lord, a dwelling place for His presence. There's this awesome book uh, by Rick Joyner called Apostolic Ministry. And in that book, he actually makes the statement where he says, uh, you know, actually, if, if we study the word and, and we get a, a right perspective on the church, the church actually isn't for people. It's for the Lord. And so you go, oh, but what about loving people, loving your neighbor, serving people, you know, taking care of the poor? Isn't that what the church is supposed to do? Yeah, but the reason the church does that is because the church is filled with believers, Christians, disciples of Jesus. The reason why the church does those things is not because that's the, the, the purpose and, and mission of the church. Actually, it's because in the church is a group of people who look like Jesus, and that's what Jesus did. But the reason we get together and do this is not so that people can come and sit in a room, watch a few people live what they would consider the Christian life, and then say, I'm a part of it. It's actually, it's actually, we come together and we gather like this because we want to worship Jesus. We want to enthrone Jesus. We want to be equipped with truth so that when I leave this place, the church leaves the building. And actually, when you begin to move into your spheres of influence and into society, that you begin to live as a believer, as a disciple, as a demonstrator of the gospel, seeing the kingdom of heaven advanced in those spheres of influence. And so the church carries a mandate to worship the Lord, to minister to the Lord, and to establish these... Uh, in these touching points between heaven and earth. And so when you actually study up until the point of um, Constantine, uh, you can see that the, that the church didn't happen every Sunday. It actually happened every day. And when I read the word, I, I'm challenged when I see Paul uh, in, in Ephesus, and from 11, I think it's 11 until 4, every day they met. And you go, what about their jobs? Well, most of them were losing their jobs because they were 
they were found out to be Christians. <laughs> it's pretty scary, scary stuff. But the reality is, I, I believe in my heart that the Lord's saying, will we trust Him in the season? Will we step into that prophetic timeline as a church and say, Lord, make us ready for the return of Jesus? And so there's so many scriptures that I've been reading that are, are just challenging my heart um, around why we haven't had conversations and shared about this more and more as the church, that the return of Jesus is something that, that should change the lifestyle that we live. In the next couple of weeks, you're going to hear the terminology, the 24-7 lifestyle. And what I mean by that is not, uh, you know, the lifestyle that we've set for 24-7 church, and this is our rules and regulations, and you're welcome to the cult, you know. It's not that. <laughs> the reason why we called the church 24-7, when my folks planted the church nearly 18 years ago, uh, when they started 24-7 Church, the whole heart behind the name 24-7 Church was simply, Lord, what would it look like for a group of people to actually be the church 24-7? You know, the expressions and the methods can change and look different, but what does it look like to actually just be fully given to you? Where it's not actually about a brand or a name or trying to uh, create our own little niche or ministry, but Lord, actually just to be yours 24-7. And so the 24-7 lifestyle, actually, I believe, is just wording to describe what it means to let your lifestyle and your life be changed by the reality that Jesus is coming again. Jason and I have been having these conversations and saying, how would we live if we knew he was coming in a year's time? Because it's easy to say, you know, how, how would we live if he was coming today? And you're like, oh, you know, try and do the best that you can do. But what happens if we, if we knew we had five years left? What would we do? And so the reality is, uh, you know, there's these scriptures that we've spoken about how, you know, the day of the Lord will come like a thief, a thief in the night. And so we think that that means that we aren't supposed to understand when it's going to happen. Right? We've read these scriptures and it's like, no, no man knows the times and the days. And so, you know, we, we don't actually know. So we just kind of, we just keep going until, ta-da. That's a pretty twisted perspective of, of a father. It's a pretty twisted perspective of a bridegroom. It's like, I'm in love with you and I'm coming, but... I'll just surprise you and see if you're actually still devoted to me. No, actually, there's a prophetic timeline. And Jesus in Matthew 24 and many other places gives us very uh, straightforward, clear pictures of what to expect and, and markers that would describe the season, the generation, the times. The, and so, yes, you know, we're not maybe going to know the, the moment and the hour, but he's preparing us and he's saying, you'll recognize the, the moment in history, the moment in the timeline that you're in. And when you get to that, you need to be alert. You need to be aware. You need to be awake as the church and understand that this is not a time to get wishy-washy. When you start to see these things, begin to devote yourself even more. Begin to focus on Him. Live for Him. Be obedient to Him. And we're there. And so I don't know how long that is, but I want to say to you that we cannot be foolish as the church and think that we are supposed to just be ignorant to these things. No, we need to be aware of the fact that we're there as a, as a generation. I don't know if it's our children or our children's children or our children's children's children. I, I don't know. But the reality is, I want to live my life for the return of Jesus. Because think about it this way. Whether I, I'm alive for the day that He actually comes or whether I die and I see Him, it's exactly the same. Are you with me? It's like, you know, well, I don't know if I'll be in the generation when he returns. Oh, well, when you actually pass from this life to the next, you're going to be standing there with everybody else to, with the king of glory. And so in 2 Peter chapter 3, um, it says this. It says, but the day of the Lord will come like a thief, and then the heavens will vanish with a mighty and thunderous roar, and the material elements will be destroyed with intense heat, and the earth and the works that are, that are on it will be burned up. Thank you for that encouraging word, Connor. That's just so exciting. What a future we have. 
Listen to this. Since all these things are to be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought you to be in the meantime? In holy behavior, that is in a pattern of daily life that sets you apart as a believer. In godliness, displaying profound reverence toward our awesome God. While you earnestly look for and wait the coming of the day of, of God. This is verse 12. For on this day the heavens will be destroyed by burning and the material elements will melt with intense heat. But in accordance with his promise, we expectantly await new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. So, beloved, since you are looking forward to these things, be diligent and make every effort to be found by him at his return, spotless and blameless, in peace. It says, yeah, that is inwardly calm with a sense of spiritual well-being and confidence, having lived a life of obedience to Him. And consider the patience of our Lord, His delay in judging and avenging wrongs, a salvation that is allowing time for more to be saved, just as our beloved brother Paul also wrote to you according to the wisdom given to him by God. And so the language that we're seeing here from Peter, and, and if you go to uh, the end of 1 Thessalonians, Paul writes in, in a similar fashion. And what he's saying is that scripture about how he's going to come like a thief in the night is actually for unbelievers. He's saying like those who don't know Jesus, it's going to be an absolute tragic, terrible, horrific shock. Right? But he's saying actually as the beloved, as the lovers of God, our, our hearts need to be looking, eagerly expecting, looking forward to that day, preparing ourselves for His return. So you say, why are you sharing this you know, as kind of the first Sunday of the year? Because this is the lens through which everything that we do in 24-7 church uh, is going to be lived. What would we do if we knew He was coming? Because He is coming. So, so what does that mean for us as a community? What does it look like for us to serve Him, to love Him together? Why, why should I commit myself and devote myself to the local church? Because Jesus is building it. And, and I want you to know this um, from the outset as an eldership team. Uh, you know, we've always said this, that our commitment is not to have the answers. Our commitment is to make sure we seek Jesus. Our commitment to the, to the church and to the bride is to make sure that we're postured to hear the voice of God. Are you with me? Because the reality is this is not actually a time for trying to have the answers. This is a time for demonstration. Because you can't argue with demonstration. I remember a conversation, this was a long time ago, when I was really evangelizing, you know, in every shopping mall in Joburg and getting arrested with cable ties and stuff. Um, but I remember praying for somebody who was trying to argue with me um, about, like, the reality of God and whatever. And, and I wouldn't engage in the conversation. I just said, hey, have you got pain in your knee? And I was like, how do you know that? I just I felt that the Lord spoke to my heart and said, can I pray for you? Oh, I don't know. I'm not sure if I want that or whatever. Okay, don't worry. Lord, just thank you. Just heal his knee that you revealed. And test it out, man. Oh, I, don't, I don't want any of this. No, test it out. Oh, and then the dude actually moves his knee and it's like, what the heck was that? How did, that's impossible. How did that work? And now suddenly it's a total different conversation. Demonstration is the answer. It's not arguing. It's not opinions. It's not what we think or, or, or, or the voice that we think we're supposed to have. It's Jesus revealed in and through our lives. So I want to say to you, this is a time for us to allow the, the revelation of Jesus and the reality that our beloved bridegroom is coming back, to let that change our lifestyle. And so you're going to see, we'll unfold this as we talk about vision and, and the things that we're going to do this year. But I want to say to you that it's impossible to be in love with Jesus and not to be in love with His church. It's impossible to be serving Jesus and not be serving His church. And I'm not just talking about parking on a Sunday morning. 
I'm talking about being connected to the body, being excited and, and one with, with each other about what the Lord's doing and, and being postured and ready to be obedient together, championing one another. You know, I, I'm really convinced more and more that what God wants to do in 24-7 is not dependent on, on myself or Jess or my parents or our family or a few leaders in the church. It's dependent on a community, a group of people saying yes to Him. Because the reality is there's expressions of the dream of God inside of you that I will never express. Are you with me? And so we have a desire in 24-7 church to say, let's go after the presence of Jesus. Let's go after the dream of God and watch as you are activated and as you come alive in Him, what comes from your life. And then as leaders and shepherds, we want to champion the expression of God's dream in you because suddenly we begin to reach places that just a handful of us would never have reached. Make sense? In, uh, in 1 Thessalonians... Chapter 5. It says, now, this is from verse 1, chapter 5, verse 1. Now, as to the times and dates, brothers and sisters, you have no need for anything to be written to you. Huh. Interesting. For you yourselves know perfectly well that the day of the return of the Lord is coming just as a thief comes unexpectedly and suddenly in the night. While they are saying, peace and safety, all is well and secure. <laughs> Then in a moment unforeseen, destruction will come upon them suddenly like labor pains on a woman with child. And they will absolutely not escape, for there will be no way to escape the judgment of the Lord. He obviously cannot be talking about the bride. Are you with me? And it's also scary. It's funny when we talk about the judgment of the Lord. It's like, no, not in the 21st century. Can't be. No, the reality is, for those who are not in Him, judgment is coming. See, and, and you go like, ah, I can't wrap my head around that. The reality is, th these are the things, when, when we let them hit our heart, they stir up in us a desire to really be filled by the Spirit of Jesus, that we would represent Him well. That many people would come to know Jesus. That the Lord, the Lord desires that none should perish, that all would be saved. That's why He tarries. Are you with me? So you go, why are you so intense about reaching the nations and reaching a city and reaching all the... Well, because he's tarrying. The Lord's only waiting so that more can get saved. So, so what am I... What, what, how does that reality affect my lifestyle? But you believers, verse 4, do you see the shift? But you believers, meaning what I've just said is for unbelievers. But you believers, listen to what's going to be said next. All you who believe in Christ as Savior, I'm reading out of the Amplified, and acknowledge Him as God's Son, are not in spiritual darkness, nor held by its power, that the day of judgment would overtake you by surprise like a thief. He's saying, that's not you. For you are all sons of light and sons of the day. We do not belong to the night nor to the darkness. So then let us not sleep in spiritual indifference as the rest of the world does, but let us keep wide awake, alert and cautious, and let us be sober, self-controlled, calm and wise. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who are drunk, get drunk at night. But since we believers belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope and confident assurance of salvation. For God has not destined us to incur His wrath. 
That is, He did not select us to condemn us, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died willingly for us, so that whether we are awake, meaning alive, or asleep, meaning dead, at Christ's appearing, we will live together with Him, sharing eternal life. Therefore, encourage and comfort one another, and build up one another, just as you are doing. This is the writings of Paul and Peter and the apostles speaking to the church. Do you know that the Thessalonians, Paul planted the church. He was only there for three weeks and he, never, he was never able to return. In other words, he actually classifies the second coming of Jesus as Bible basics. Three weeks he's got with a group of people to disciple them. And what he decides to actually focus on is make sure that you're awake and ready for the second coming. So this stuff challenges me as a leader because I go like, oh my goodness, when was the last time we spoke about that? See, it's real easy to talk about how to get people to cope with life today. But the reason why we're not coping is because we're living for today. Are you with me? So we're trying to find ways to handle life and to deal with the things that we're facing right now. And the reason is because our eyes are here rather than being fixed on the fact that my bridegroom king is returning. And so the reality is this is so temporary in light of the, the glorious eternal reality that I'm going to have with him. And so now, Lord, because that is my destiny and my purpose in you, what do you want me to do today that's unto that glory? When we talk about a bride for his glory, it's a statement you're going to hear a lot in 24-7. A bride that's being made ready, a bride for His glory. What does it mean? It means a group of people that are living for the glory of the Lord. And that's not just a vibe in a room. That's not just, ooh, goosebumps, and I love it when we get together. and <laughs> Right? The glory of the Lord. Let me tell you, this has been something that I've been wrestling with the last couple of days. When the glory of the Lord comes, see, it's different to His anointing. I love the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and the anointing comes to minister. The anointing comes to set people free, to break the yoke. To, that's why the anointing comes. It comes to, to, to lead us into the glory. But when the glory comes, when the glory of God comes, it's the government of heaven. It's not flippant. It's not casual. It's not familiar. It's absolutely terrifyingly beautiful. And we've had to make a decision as a church and say, okay, Lord, how are we going to build? Because there's different ways to, to build as leaders. And we've decided what we, what we desire in our hearts is that every single person in 24-7 would come into a place where they're equipped to live a life that's for the glory of the Lord, that, that we would learn how to host His presence as a people, that we would learn how to walk in the anointing, how to walk under the covering of His glory, the shadow of, of El Shaddai, that as we live in that place, that we, when we come together, we create environments where it's only God. Are you with me? That's the desire. What does it mean only God, that men and women can't operate? No, God works through men and women. But my reali the, the reality of what I'm talking about is that when the glory of God comes in the room, no man can stand. In other words, no one gets the glory except for Jesus. No one gets the glory except for Him. When the glory comes in that way, and I believe it's coming across the nations, people will get out of wheelchairs without anybody touching them. And that's not, to, that's not an excuse not to go pray for the sick. But I'm saying when that reality of God is present in the room, you're going to begin to see people getting saved, delivered, healed, just because they're in the presence of the Lord and because people have paid a price to create that environment for Him. And then when we learn to live in that, you'll find, and we hear the stories of, of these things, but like Jesus and, and, and, and Paul and Peter, and suddenly you're walking down streets in your shadow, people getting healed because your shadow touched them. It's not a fantasy story. Peter was a fisherman. He was just a, he was just a dude who 
gave himself to this reality of what Jesus promised. And the next thing, he's under the covering, <laughs> the cloud of his glory. He's living under the glory of the Lord, in the glory of the Lord. And he's walking down streets and his shadow is touching people and people are getting healed. So when we talk about being a people for his glory, we're not just talking about great meetings. We're talking about these times together where we're equipped to carry the glory in the presence of the Lord, but that when we leave this place, the church begins to invade society with the beautiful presence, fragrance, aroma of Jesus, with the glory of God, the government of heaven. That you just walk into a room and things begin to shift. Demons are flying out of people in shopping malls because you're there. And I know for a lot of people, it's like, man, we've heard these things preached and, you know, we've heard this, but... For me, I, I, I'm, I'm saddened, and I have been saddened even in my own heart where we've, we've given up hope. Because suddenly it's like, yeah, we, we've heard that. The reality is, we're talking about the gospel. And, and if we're not seeing the reality of something in our lives, it is not because of Him. <laughs> because what He went through was He opened up all of heaven so that you have free access to the riches of His glory, it says in Ephesians. That out of the riches of His glory, you would be strengthened in the Holy Spirit with power from on high. That your body would be flooded with light. And so we're going to go after a community being filled and baptized in the Holy Spirit. Free from every, everything that's not in the nature of Jesus. Why? Because we're getting ready for the return of our bridegroom king. I think there's going to come a, a fear and a reverence over the church, and it's joy-filled. It's not a, it's not a, a somber thing. It's, there's, it's, there's life and, and, and a vibrancy to the fear of the Lord. But what it means is that it's not so casual, you know, I was just kind of hanging with Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I was just chatting with Jesus. We just had a chat. I've been there in that place, and I feel the Lord going like, hold on a second, let, let me just take you to Revelations 1. Let's just describe him again. When, when, uh, when John turns to see the voice that was speaking to him, he fell face down as though dead. <laughs> and it's only when Jesus puts his right arm out and touches him on the shoulder, oh, that's when, it, when he strengthens you to stand. This is the glory and the splendor and the beauty. See, I don't want to serve a God in my own image. If I can just have little casual little times with Jesus, I guarantee you who I'm talking to is not Jesus. And I'm not saying that, that the Lord doesn't speak to us in, our, in the small things of our everyday. He does. He's a beautiful Father. And, and He speaks to us and He's with us in the little things. But I just want us to be aware of the fact that when we talk about Him, when He's in the room, when He's with me in the secret place, when He's with me in the car, when He's, you know, it's like we make those jokes about, you know, being careful when you're listening to worship music in the car because you might just get absolutely smashed by the glory of the Lord. You know, that's not a joke. It's like, no, hold on a second. When the, when the fear of the Lord comes and, and the glory of God is manifest, pull over. <laughs> You know, Smith Wigglesworth says something that really challenged me. I'm reading one of his books, and, and it challenged me so hard. How's this? He says this. And I will unpack this, so just take it and mull on this. He says, it's impossible to be baptized with the Holy Spirit without manifestation. <laughs> he says, because when we talk about the glory of the Lord, it is the manifestation of His person. And then we go, no, but it's just a faith thing, and it just happened in my heart. And I'm like, I get it, and that's beautiful. But the reality is, when heaven touches your body, 
This is why I say how we've limited God. It's like, no, I'm, I, you know, I don't really have those things and whatever. And, and maybe you've been in that place. I've been there. I've been in times where I don't feel anything. And this is not about that, but it's about that single pursuit of his presence and his glory and saying, Lord, like even this morning I got dressed and I felt the Lord say, are you dressed? Like if I showed up and I rocked you across the room, are you dressed for it? And I was like, oh, I've got white shoes, Lord. Like <laughs> They're already getting a bit dirty and I don't like dirty shoes, you know. But it is, it's a question of like, am I ready? Am I, am I postured in a place where if he wants to? That's, that's the point. What do you want? If you came on me in, in, in glory and power in that way, am I, am I ready? Am I open? Am I postured for that? See, I, I, the more I'm studying this, the more I really believe that the Lord wants us to walk in presence and power, and they're not two separate things. In other words, when the presence of the Lord is in the room, His power is there. The, the reason why we haven't seen it activated in the church for so long, it's the conduit for which the power of the Holy Spirit can flow. And, and this is the things that we'll talk about, of what it means to be yielded, what it means to obey. And when I was in Turkey, the Lord gave me a word that's really encouraging, even though it sounds scary. But He said to me that He would purify and cleanse 24-7 church of every ungodly witchcraft spirit. That's not people, so don't, get, don't be like, is He looking at me? <laughs> you know? You say witchcraft, and people are like... <laughs> but the reality is, He's, he's going to cleanse the, the bride. And so I, I can say statements like this with confidence in Him, not in myself, because I have no idea what to do with that. But confidence in Him that when the glory, the government of heaven comes, there's nothing that's left in your life untouched and unchanged. Nothing. And so this came out differently than I thought. But really what I want to say and just set a lens for us, that over these next couple of weeks, we felt to start practical vision from next week because more people will be back. But we're going we're gonna to unpack this together as a family, and I'm telling you, you want to you be here, you want to be a part of this, because you're going to begin to understand the storyline of God and how your life is vital in, in the expressions of what He's put inside of you and the contribution that He wants from your life towards the fulfillment of His plan. That you are, you are actually woven into this beautiful fabric, this beautiful uh, uh, expression of family, uh, that goes way beyond Sunday mornings. And so we, you, there's things that you'll see this year. We're going to launch a house of prayer. We're going to launch uh, a frontier mission school. We're going to launch a bunch of different things. Um, and we've, we've got some great um, strategy from the Lord in terms of discipleship and connection and ways that people can do life together. Um, and also, I just want to say this. The Lord's giving us strategy on how we can have fun together. It's so important for the house to learn how to have fun together. But the reality is, and I want to say this um, straight from the, the get-go, is that we can, we can put out all the strategy that we want in terms of touching points, connection points in the church of where we can meet. But I can't choose for you whether you want to be a part of family or not. I can't, I can't say yes for you like you can't say yes for me. But when we say yes together, we get to step into the promise. So I want to say to you, we're, we're, we're making a decision to posture our hearts for the promises of God. Um, and I, I said this at the end of last year, the promise of God actually isn't the, the point. Even though it says that on your fridge. <laughs> you know, Lord, I'm just contending for the promises and that means my promotion or whatever. But the reality is the promises of God are actually weapons in your hand to serve the kingdom. That when we posture ourselves to receive His promises, they strengthen, equip us, and enable us to begin to continue with the mandate that God's given the church. Be ready for the return of Jesus. Preach the gospel. So.
God's going to do so much in this house, and I'm excited to, to see what the Lord's going to do in your life. And I want to encourage you as well to, to press into each other, um, to, to find community and family uh, in the body of 24-7, not just in a few individuals. Um, I've been saying, talking about my phone, and like you get hundreds of WhatsApp messages, and, and you just can't, I just can't get it. And we're not even that big of a church. It's like, it's crazy. And the reality is, it's because there isn't a focal point to connection. It can't be my parents or us, or uh, it's together as the body, as the family. We're running together. And so we, we make a commitment to this house that we want to celebrate and champion you, what God's put inside of you. We want to see those things, uh, you know, come to fruition. And so this is a time to run. When we prayed, the Lord uh, really spoke clearly to our team that this was a year to be brave. A year to be brave, a year to risk, to be filled with the joy of the Lord that will strengthen you to maybe do things that are like terrifying for you. Like go to Iran. I'm joking. Uh, I'm not joking, but that's the, that's the one for me, right? I'm just being real with you. I'm like, okay. But, but this is what I mean is that there'll be things that God is going to ask you to step out and trust Him in this year. And I'm saying when you see the worthiness, the beauty of Jesus, you're strengthened and empowered and fueled by heaven to do what He's called you to do. And I want to say to you that the assignments, don't measure them based on comparison. In other words, you might be sitting in this room and the Lord actually assigns to you this year to pray for that family member or to pray for that friend of yours for their salvation. It's an assignment from heaven. It's of, it is of utmost importance to the Lord. And there is no difference between being obedient to that assignment or going to Iran. Are you with me? It's being obedient to the assignments of the Father that He's put in this house. And those assignments are not going to come from my mouth or my dad's mouth or my mom or Jess. They're going to come from the Lord. And so we want to be good stewards and facilitate that well. Are you with me? So how do I wrap this up so you can take something home? Just take, take this one line. Jesus is coming. Right? I hope you got that at least from what I've said. <laughs> Jesus is coming. Where's your heart postured? How is the reality of the return of Jesus changing your lifestyle today and tomorrow? How is it affecting the decisions that you're making? This isn't a fantasy story. We wouldn't be sitting in this room if we didn't know like we know in our hearts that what we're talking about is the truth. And so we say, okay, Lord, I want to pray the Maranatha cry, the Maranatha prayer, come, Lord Jesus. I want to pray that with confidence, with joy, and with expectation. I know the times that I'm living in. I'm a part of the body. I'm a part of the bride. I'm making myself ready. I'm preaching the gospel. I'm, I'm equipping. I'm, I'm, I'm serving the dream of God. We're ready, Lord Jesus, come. And if we posture our lives in that place, watch how the, the power of the Holy Spirit is going to begin to move upon the church like never before. Make sense? Awesome. And so I want to encourage you um, with uh, some practical things with the church. There's going to be ways uh, to, to get involved in, in different expressions of serving. But more than that, with, with the House of Prayer, there's going to be sessions, times. Uh, we want to grow it to a place. Our, our big dream uh, that the Lord put on our heart from when we started the church was actually to have 24-7, 365 prayer and worship. In other words, eventually we'll be at a place where you can wake up at 3 a.m. in the morning. You can't go back to sleep and you think, I'm going to go to the prayer room. And you'll go and join Jen 3 a.m. there. Uh, taking a set just before work. Um, but that's what I'm talking about. That's where we're going. And, uh, and I want to say to you, we have to fight for that. Because I've seen it work in the Middle East. I've seen, I've seen what this does when you enthrone Jesus in a city like this. And that's why there's so much attack and it's like, oh, that's not going to work. That's not going to work. It's going to be so difficult and whatever. No, no. We're going to fight for this thing as a community. And we have the same value if it's one person in a room as to whether there was 500. The same value because it's not for us. It's for Him. 
So we're going to be doing that um, with the nations. We're going to be training and equipping people to send because we, there's too many places for one or two people to go. We need teams. Um, and so the Lord's doing a beautiful local work, and He's doing a beautiful translocal work in 24-7. And I'm excited about the conversations that are happening with people in South Africa, leaders that we're building with, and, and getting excited about partnering in our city, partnering with Iris, partnering with um, Lifehouse Church, different people in the city to reach our city, to begin to do things into uh, the areas of need, and to say, Lord, how do we best serve our city? How do we best represent Jesus here? But then also getting excited about the fact that He's connecting us with people all over the world. And uh, so in the, in the next couple of weeks and months, you're going to see video clips of people from different nations who are praying for us and blessing us. In fact, I wanted to play you something really quick, and then I'm done because I'm out of time. But we have uh, friends from an organization. I won't say their name. They're just, they're just family to us. They're praying for us, standing with us, and they have a, um, a base in Turkey, which we've been partnering with. And so they have, um, they've been praying for us and standing with us. And I just want to play you uh, this thing, if I can find it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I won't play the whole thing, but I just want you to hear the sound of family who you don't know yet, yet, they're coming, and we're going to go there as well, but it's, and it's in another language, so you won't understand, uh, it's in Turkish in the beginning, but we have family all over the world that are praying for us. I don't know if you, I don't know if I shared this, but there's a house of prayer in Alexandria that our team was in, and they have this beautiful little framed uh, guitar that's made out of like thread. I don't know if you've seen those art things where you like thread around, and it's a guitar, and there's prophetic words on that. And they made one for us that we have, which we're going to hang up on that wall. And it's got prophetic words on the back from people in, in Alexandria. And, and it's like the Lord's connecting us with these, these communities that have the same heart, that same Antioch expression that we've spoken about. It's, it's happening all over the world. God's connecting us with these people. So listen to the sound of people praying for us. Onları buraya getirdiğin için sana teşekkür ediyoruz. Şimdi yara bugüne Afrikalı kardeşlerimiz için dua ediyoruz yara. Ya onları bereketliyoruz yara. Onları meset yara. Bugün senin ruhunla doldurulsun diye dua ediyorum yara. Onların kilisesine cennet gelsin diye dua ediyorum ya. Onların üzerinde bir peygamberlik ve vahiy ruhu olsun diye dua ediyoruz yara. Şimdi kutsal senin yüreğinde olan bütün yapmak istediğini ya olsun diye dua ediyoruz ya olursun diye dua ediyoruz ya gel kutsal gel kutsal diyoruz gel kutsal bu kiliseye gel diye dua ediyoruz ya bu topluluğuna gel ya Teşekkür ediyorum ya Rab. Bu on, onlar ailedir ya Rab. Ruhsal bir ailenin bir parçasıdır ya. Teşekkür ediyoruz ya Rab. Ya Rab, şimdi 30 ya da 40 öğrenci varmış. Buraya gelmek istiyor, hizmet etmek istiyor, ziyaret etmek istiyor. Ya Rab, onların yüreğinde çok şey var, çok istek var ya Rab. Senden gelen çok istek var ya Rab. Senin zamanında, senin yollarıyla, senin istediğin gibi Rab olsun ya Rab. İstediğin gibi ya Rab, bugüne Afrikalılar da olsun diye dua ediyoruz ya Rab. Şimdi senin melekleri gelsin özellikle Rab. Connor ve Jessica için dua ediyoruz ya Rab. Özellikle ya Rab onlara bereketle diye dua ediyoruz ya Rab. Onlara bereketle ya Rab. Onları senin ruhuna doldur diye dua ediyoruz. İsa'nın yüce ismiyle. Yeah, God, we just pray for the South African brothers and sisters right now. God, pour your spirit, God, upon this, upon the uh, 24-7 church in Johannesburg, God. Pour your spirit out, God. Pour your spirit out. Release the prophetic spirit, God. We, we lift our voices, God. Pour a prophetic spirit right now, God. 
a prophetic spirit in their midst, God. We ask you for the anointing, God. God, I ask you for impartation of the love of God in this season. Lord, let them feel your love. Father, cause their hearts to feel your affections. Let them know how high and deep and wide. What is the love of God in Christ, God? Let them be filled to all the fullness of God in Christ Jesus, God. Overflow, God. We ask you for overflow. God, I thank you for what you're doing in them and through them. God, we ask that you open doors, God. Open doors for British visa to go to the States, God, to prepare for this next season. Open doors, God, for Istanbul, God. Open his doors for Istanbul, God, we pray. Shimdi Yarab, Istanbul again, Medericin, Kapalara, Chilsen, Dei, Dwadi, Uruziara. Shimdi Yarab, Rusal, Kapalara, Chilsen, Dei, Dwadi, Uruziara. Onlara, yes, Shimdi Peygam, Medikti, Bulunuyoruz, Rab. Onlara diyoruz ki, gel diyoruz. Kapalara, açılsın, Ya Rab. Ya Rab, onların hizmet etmeleri için, Ya Rab. Kapalara, açılsın, Dei, Dwadi, Uruz, Ya Rab. Senin meleklerin gitsin, Rab. Ya Rab, hizmet... Görev verilsin diye dua diyoruz Rab. Bugün ya Rab. Gel diyoruz ya Rab. Şimdi peygamberlikte bulunuyoruz ya Rab. Hoş geldiniz diyoruz ya Rab. İmanla diyoruz ya Rab. Ayak kapılar açılsın Rab. We say open the doors to Istanbul for this church God. Open the doors God. We say open in the name of Jesus. Open. We say God release assignments to this community right now as they worship. God open the door God. Open the doors in the name of Jesus. If you have prayer, go for it. This goes on for about 25 minutes of their team just praying for us, standing with us. And what grabs me is that we've been in the room that they're praying in, and it's down a little street in Istanbul, up these little steps, down around into this bottom thing, down into a basement, into a room that they've turned into something like this. You wouldn't, you wouldn't even know. You, you'd walk past it every day. You, didn't, you wouldn't even know it's there. But there's people like this faithfully meeting together, praying and contending for nations. And, and, and God connected our hearts like, like family. I mean, we've been on multiple Zoom calls with people like this. And we have more now in Egypt and things are coming together. But I want to say to you, we have family across the nations carrying the same call, the same heart. And they're, they're championing us. Like, I need us to be aware of this in our everyday life, that across the world, the bride is celebrating, championing one another. And I feel like, oh, Lord, we need to pray for our brothers and sisters and come together. That's why the prayer room is vital and nations pray on Fridays and things that are going to open up now to get together and to begin to stand with the bride. Why? Because our bridegroom is returning. He's making his bride ready. So I want to encourage you all to stand with me. I just pray this morning that you have been stirred and uh, hopefully you will be with us the next uh, four to six weeks of, as we unpack very clearly and slowly exactly what this is going to look like and how we can run together. But Father, I just pray for this beautiful community right now. I thank you for every person in this room. And I just release your anointing. Your anointing to minister to us, to equip us, to free us. Lord, I thank you there would not be a single person in this room that would leave this building today without being completely freed and, and delivered and set free in every area. Lord, insecurities falling off of people and being replaced by boldness and bravery and confidence in the Lord, where fear has tried to grab a hold of our minds that that would fall off, where any lies that we've believed in this last season that is trying to cripple us or set, set us back, Father, I thank you today there's freedom in the Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you for 2022. 
Another year to love Jesus. Another year to be faithful. Another year to serve you. Father, would you activate us, illuminate us, revive us, refresh us, transform us. Make us a holy example to the earth, Lord. So thank you for your fire. Your all-consuming fire, Lord. We receive by faith today who you are, and we trust and we thank you that the glory of the Lord is coming upon this house in a greater measure than we've ever known. We welcome you. We welcome you. We celebrate you, and we love you. And I just release bravery, courage, of every heart and every mind. I even feel like as I was talking today that there was things that you know that have been in your heart and in your mind and you've been terrified to be obedient in that thing. And it's like today the Lord's going, be brave. Trust me. Be strong and courageous. So thank you, Holy Spirit, for the beautiful work you're doing in this house. We love you. We bless you. We honor you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Guys, you're beautiful. You're amazing. Love you so, so, so much. And I can't wait to get back to all of our midweek stuff and being able to see each other as much as possible.